Genesis chapter 9. Say so we read through this last week and we only got halfway through, becoming kind of a theme around here. There's just so much. So, Genesis chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17, although our focus is going to be on the latter half of the chapter today. As we take a look at one of the covenants of the Lord. So listen carefully, because this is God's word that is for you. Genesis chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground. And all the fish of the sea, into your hand, they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from every man. And from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth that is with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign Of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's go to our God in prayer and ask his blessing on our text today. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for this text, this opportunity that we have to look into your word and to see wonderful truths out of it. Lord, I pray that you would help me to preach this accurately and that your spirit would apply it to all of our hearts this day. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. Amen. 
uh, before we begin. Uh, uh, Mr. Eddie, if you wouldn't mind closing the, the shades back there. I'm getting the sun right off of the uh, car window there. Thank you. Much better. Now I can see you all. <laughs> all right. Have you ever kept a letter or a digital message of some kind from someone that you love, even if they are still here with us today? I do. I have three gigabytes worth of text messages between my wife and I going back to when we first started dating. And this is something that we all understand, even though I can speak with my wife today, and, and the, but those messages mean something. This is a document of how our relationship has formed and what that relationship has looked like through the years. This is something that is precious to us because it shows and defines this relationship. And with that in mind, as we look here at our text in the scriptures, we see a written copy of the relationship that the world has had with God. Here we have a written covenant, something that is much more binding than a text message or even a contract as we understand it today, but that this is a promise in blood between God and the earth, showing how a relationship works with God. This is why Presbyterians, for the very few things that we get excited about, covenant is one of them. And as we unfold what we're looking at today, and as we will see again and again through the rest of this book, the covenant that God has made with us. Have you ever really stopped to wonder how it is that we have a relationship with someone like God? A being that is being itself, who has created all things. I mean, we understand how this works even in our own human relationships. We, we all know that royalty doesn't just marry anybody because they've asked. I can't walk into the palace and demand a relationship with the prince or the king. The king has to make that relationship with me. We see this repeated throughout our politics, even in our Hallmark movies, that if we're going to have a relationship, it's going to have to come from the royal. It's going to have to condescend to make this relationship with us. And in the same way, in a much, much deeper way, we see here in covenant how it is, as one commentator put it, that the Lord gathers his people and makes a relationship with them. So we're going to see how that works today. So we're going to pick up where we left off. In our two points, which you'll see on your outline there in the back of the prayer guide, uh, our, our first point we covered last time, that God provides parameters for his people. As we saw how the basis of government, the respect for life, all of those things are included in this promise. But now we're going to see how God provides promises for his people and what those promises are. We also have to remember, as one Commentator had said, not only is God making a bridge between creature and creator, but also holy and sinner. And this is what we're going to look at as we see today. Now, when we pick up here in verse 8, we see God gathering his 
people together, which at this point includes Noah and his family. Those are the only human beings left. Uh, He is here to make this covenant. And here in verse 9, he says, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. Now, hang with me here. We're going to need to do some digging. We're going to get kind of detailed here, but we're going to see this is important. When we're looking at words, God chooses his words carefully. When we work out a contract, we need to know what every word of that contract means, because it means something. And here we see the same sort of detailed language. When he says here, it says, behold, I establish my covenant with you. This means something very particular. This this word means either establish or confirm. And what this is talking about is saying there he's making reference to a a promise that has been made earlier. In fact, we'll see what that is in Genesis chapter 6. When he commands Noah to build this ark for him, we see in chapter 6, verse 18, just a couple pages back, chapter 6, verse 18, God says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So here we see he's making reference back to here. I've made a promise to you and now I'm going to uphold that promise. I'm going to unfold what this means for you. I'm going to clarify what I have already promised you. Now, Does this mean what God is doing is he is creating a new covenant here in Genesis 6? The answer is no. Because in Genesis 6, he's using that word establish. He's pointing us back further. In Genesis chapter 6, he's saying, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. Meaning, there's been a promise made before. And I'm going to confirm it here in Genesis 6 by protecting you from this flood. Well, what covenant is that? This is starting to sound like the therefores in Paul's letters. When we say therefore, it's always pointing you back. Here we have established. It's pointing you back. Well, what other covenant do we have to go back any further? Well, that goes back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 14 and forward, we're going to see this is the covenant that God has made with the rest of humanity and with fallen Adam. We call this the covenant of grace. Now, you will not see the word covenant here in Genesis chapter 3, but the structure is very much the same. Say, here is what is going to happen to you, but here's what I'm going to do for you. And the promise of that covenant is there in verse 15. Well, let's start back in 14. This gives us context. The Lord said to the serpent, this is the one who has deceived Eve, who causes the fall, Well, the Lord God says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What are we talking about here? Well, we remember when we were talking about this with Genesis chapter 3, This is the promise that God is making to humanity that, yes, the world is broken. Everything that you see around us that's wrong, sin, disease, deformity, death, all of those things is because Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. 
deceived by the serpent, who we later find out is the devil. Here in this covenant, God is promising that there is going to be a faithful line. As one commentator put it, I'm going to keep one line that instead of being at war with me, they're going to be at war with Satan. There's going to be one line faithful that's going to keep this, that I am going to cause to be in relationship with me. And this is exactly what we see in Noah, isn't it? I'm going to confirm that covenant that I made. Remember how I said there was going to be a line that I was going to keep for myself? Here it is in Noah. It's under this same covenant of grace. Now, some might say, well, maybe what this covenant is actually doing, maybe this is is supposed to be a new Adam. Maybe this is a new covenant of works, like what we made with Adam originally. Long as you do the things that you're supposed to do, then I'm going to help you. But if you do the things that you're not supposed to do, well, then covenant's off, promise is over, you're done. Well, as we'll see later on in chapter 9, Noah doesn't behave very well. In fact, he does kind of the same thing that Adam and Eve did. Took a fruit and sinned with it. And here, if God was going to do that, he would use a different word for covenant. It would be, I am cutting a covenant with you. It's a very different word. So he's not starting a new covenant. He is simply giving you a greater context for this covenant he's already made in Genesis 3. Human beings are sinful. They can't do enough good to earn their favor with God. Everything has to be by grace. And that's what we're seeing here. Noah doesn't get this covenant because he's built a boat. Because we saw that God had established this covenant with him before the flood, before a single raindrop ever fell. It's been by grace the whole time that he has found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So now we move on and we see that this is God's work to do this by grace. And this is really important to us. Now, we've done a lot of work here. We've seen that the Lord is bringing about promises he's already made. He's attaching this to what we've seen in Genesis chapter three. He's gonna fulfill his promise. There is going to be a line that is going to be godly that he is going to use to bring about the salvation of, of the world. But what does this matter to us today? To find out like, well, good for Noah. All right, he's got a promise. Well, as we see here, as we continue on, this is a covenant with us too. Look at verse 12. God says, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. This means us too. The promises that he's making here are being extended all the way here to us. This is quite a grace, gracious thing that he's doing for us. So what is it? What is he promising? Well, first, let's take a look at who he's promising it to. This is a covenant that he is making with the entire planet. When he says for all future generations, this is all of humanity. All of these generations are coming from Noah's family. There's no one else for them to come from. They've all, the rest of the humanity has been drowned in a flood. Here he's saying everyone that's going to come from you is going to get all of these blessings, including all the rest of the earth. And that promise that he's giving to us is that he is not going to flood the earth again. He's not going to cause this 
cataclysmic flood that's going to drown all creatures and all humanity again. This is something that would be good for them to hear. Because they've just seen what God is capable of doing. He can create the earth and he can also uncreate it. But here he is now promising this. And basically saying now every time the clouds gather, you can remember that I've made this promise with you. Now, this promise is very specific. When he's saying that I'm not going to flood the earth again in judgment, this does not mean, well, everybody on earth then is going to be saved. Everyone on earth is going to heaven. No, this promise that he's made is just to those to say, I'm just not going to flood the earth again. But in order to confirm this to us, he's going to give us a sign. He's going to give us a visual picture of this covenant, and that's going to be a rainbow. Now, we are used to signs of promises. Here in the church, we have the Lord's Supper and baptism, reminding us of what God has done and the promises that he's given to us. But we do this too. In our culture, it's rings. Back in March 10th of 2018, I made a covenant with my wife. I promised that I would be with her until death do us part. Now, I've made that promise in front of her, in front of the Lord, and in front of all of our friends and family. But what I've also done is I've given her a ring, and she's given me a ring. This is the sign of that promise that we've made to each other. Is it because we're going to forget one day that we were married, and we need this to remind ourselves, like a little post-it note? No. But this is a declaration to the rest of the world and to each other that we are covenanted together. This sign means something. But we have to give it that meaning. A ring is just a ring. But when I've said this is a sign of my promise to you, that's what, then it means something far more. And it's the same thing with the rainbow. When God has put this rainbow in the sky, it's more than just, well, light hits the water and it spreads through. We can see the color spectrum. It's much more than that. He's given it this meaning to say, every time you see this rainbow, this is a reminder to me of my covenant. Now, does God need reminding because he might forget about us? No. This is for us. It's for us to say, I see this too. I see this rainbow. I'm not going to forget. And I'm giving you this promise to know that I've not forgotten you. I know when my children were younger and it was time for breakfast in the morning, there was a lot of asking for assurance that breakfast was coming in the form of crying and screaming in the high chair. And it wasn't until we would see the bowl of food coming around from behind dad that we were like, oh, he remembered. Here's the sign of breakfast on its way and could rest in that promise. And it's the same thing here for us. When we see this rainbow in, in the sky after the rain has stopped, we are reminded the Lord could have kept going. As one, I was discussing this with a colleague at Presbytery this past week, and he was saying, isn't it interesting that the timing of the rainbow, it doesn't come at the start of the storm, it comes after. I could have let this keep going, but I didn't. 
I've held this back. And I'm putting this sign to remind you that I remember the promise that I've made with you. This is the sign that he has made with us. This gives us a closer look into who he is. But it does something more. There is more to this sign in in the clouds than just, don't worry, I'm not going to let it rain too much. What this is pointing to us, as many commentators pointed out in my study of this, is that this rainbow is a promise that my not judging of the wicked is not because I'm unable to, because I'm giving everyone an opportunity to repent of their sins and come to me. Every time there is a rainstorm, we should be reminded of what happened before. We're still sinful. We still deserve judgment. The Lord is still holding this judgment back and is giving us this invitation to say, I'm gracious and good. I'm gathering my people. There is still time. So come today. This is something that we see mentioned of in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. But you'll notice at the start of that, while the earth remains. There is a time coming when the earth won't remain anymore. When the Lord will come in judgment, it won't be by a flood. It'll be him personally coming to judge the wicked and to deliver his people. In fact, one scholar had looked at it this way. as like people who look at the world and say, well, we have been talking about, you know, the end is nigh, judgment is coming. We've heard all that before. It's been thousands of years. It doesn't look like God's coming. I've seen signs like this in the road. It's, like, it's been 2,000 years. I don't think he's coming. But that's because we've forgotten about the flood. Noah was telling the rest of the world, there is judgment coming and spent 100 years building a boat to escape it. And then one day it came. The Lord is very gracious. He gives lots of time. But we should not use that graciousness to say, he's not coming. Because we've been warned many times in the New Testament that when he comes, it will be like a thief in the night. If you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be ready. But you don't know when he's coming. So you must always be ready. That's what this is telling us here today. This promise tells us, I'm giving you time. I'm not going to flood the earth. Every time it rains, every time James Spann takes off his coat. We should be reminded the Lord has judged before. He can do it again. He will do it again. But every time we see that rainbow, we're reminded, oh, not today. There's still time. And for those of us who are Christians, there's still time for us to tell other people. We need to be reminded that judgment is coming. We have a mission here. There are people all over the world and just down the street who are not ready for God's judgment yet. 
And we can't fall into apathy. We can't functionally live our lives as if we're saying, well, he hasn't come yet. So I've got other things I've got to do. This has happened. The flood was real. But his promises are real too. Here in this covenant that's been made, a wonderful scholar, the name of of Herman Bavink, Dutch scholar, he looks at this covenant, sees this has been established with the whole world. And what he's saying here is God has not, in making this promise to Noah, and as we'll see in the rest of Genesis, the focus being on the people of Israel, here this covenant tells us that God has not forgotten about the rest of the world. And that he has left us with this wonderful phrase, that he has left humanity susceptible to salvation. This grace is being extended to the rest of humanity. Judgment is being withheld to give the rest of us time. And we see how this all works out when we get to Jesus. When Jesus dies on the cross, he's not only just just not provided the way for one small segment of humanity to be saved, but he gives the opportunity for all peoples, nations, tribes, and tongues to be saved. As we saw in our study of Ephesians, he's broken down the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now God's people can be one people, not ethnically defined, but defined by their Savior. And it all starts here. Here. And it ends where we saw in Revelation chapter 4. Did you catch what was shining like an emerald in Revelation chapter 4? If you don't, this is a good time to turn to it. There in verse 3, and around the throne was a rainbow. There it is. The sign of the covenant made to Noah there in heaven. What was that covenant? I'm going to be gracious to the world. I've provided my son. I've given an opportunity for you to be delivered from judgment. And here I am victorious at the end, surrounded by angels and all the peoples of the earth. Genesis chapter 9. And all this is in the future. So God has kept his promises for thousands of years and has even given us a peek at the end of time to show he also kept it all the way to the end. This means something to us today. But what does it mean? How does God making a promise to a shipmaker thousands of years ago make impact on you today? Well, one of them for us, the rainbow is a reminder to us that God is gracious after trouble. That when you are going through very difficult trials, pain, relationally or otherwise, God is gracious in the end. We look to those rainbows as a reminder of God's goodness to us, even after trouble and trial. It's hard for us in a world that's beating us up to be reminded of that. 
That's why he put it in the sky so we could all see it. That I'm good and gracious and have good plans for you. Doesn't necessarily mean wealth and prosperity here in this life. But that there is victory in the next, as we saw in Revelation chapter 4. This also tells us, as I've mentioned earlier, we need to be telling the world that God has made a promise to you. If you'll but turn from your sin. So if you're here with us today, and if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, if you've never formed a covenant with God, here's how we do that. One, this isn't something that you can broker. When he says, I will establish my covenant with you, you'll notice that a key part that's been missing here is Noah's negotiating at the table. God says, here are the terms. I'm starting this relationship. I'm defining this relationship. And I'm maintaining this relationship. This is an invitation from God, and that's the only way that it could be. And so he's invited you today because he did it through the person of his son. In the New Testament, he sends his son to fulfill the promises made here in this covenant. He says, I will live a life that you should have lived, you sinful people. Judgment should have been poured out on you. Floodwaters should have been poured out on you. But instead, he pours out all of that wrath on his son who takes it all for you. Pays the penalty for sin, which is death. And then rose again from the dead. We don't serve a dead teacher. We don't follow a quaint philosophy that has worked for a lot of people. We have a relationship with a living God. Who manages our affairs today and puts rainbows in the sky for us to remind us of who he is and what he's done. So today, if you realize, I am a sinner, I can't have a relationship with a perfectly holy God. I need someone to broker that for me. Well, there's Jesus. What he asks you to do is to ask him, I need forgiveness. I need a relationship. And he says, says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Anyone who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. This is the promise that Jesus makes to you all today. If you'll come to him, ask for his favor, ask for his forgiveness, he will grant it to you. And then turn from those futile way of living. Turn away from those things that he calls us to and follow after Christ. And you will see the blessings that he has promised to you in this very covenant. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that we have had together, a time to look at your promises and see how they form. Lord, I pray that you would help us to rest in those promises, to not look at gray skies as evidence that you are not here, but to see those very things as evidence that you are. Lord, I pray for all those who are here today that if they have been ignoring your voice, that you would overcome them today, and that you would bring them to yourself. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.